Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. I've heard a lot about you. Really? What are you doing? You collect insects? Well, to collect them, you have to kill them. I just look at them. That's nice. It's perfect your name's Maggie. <laughs> perfect. You like it? I do, too. It's nice to know somebody has really heavy thoughts. If you're so depressed, how come you're eating pizza? <laughs> I'm a party animal. Not everyone has to be glamorous to have someone fall in love with them, you know. I wouldn't stick around to see the movie. I'm going to be looking for you guys afterwards. It's called the process of natural selection. It's suicide. He's gone out for the football team. Well, the males who demonstrate physical prowess are the most attractive to the females. This equipment just doesn't fit. It's you that don't fit. What'd you say? All right, come on. You heard me? What position? Prone. Focus! Focus! You're more big. You're not cut out for this. You have no right to stop me. Lucas, you and I were just friends. You can't make me quit! wonderful you are. Like the way you're thinking now. Lucas. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Lucas from 1986. The studio was 20th Century Fox. The release date was March 28, 1986. The running time, 100 minutes, and it was rated PG-13. The budget was $6 million. The box office only took in $8.2 million, making it the 81st ranked movie of 1986. Even though it didn't make a lot of money, Roger Ebert at the time gave it 4 out of 4 stars. Here's his review. The first loves of early adolescents are so powerful because they are not based on romance, but on ideals. When they are 13 or 14, boys and girls do not fall in love with one another because of all the usual reasons that are celebrated in love stories. They fall in love because the other person is perfect. Not smart or popular or good-looking, but perfect. The embodiment of all good. The very name of the loved one becomes a holy name. As you can see in Lucas, when the hero says, Maggie, is that short for Margaret? And then hugs himself to find that it is, because he suddenly realizes that Margaret is the most wonderful name in all of the world. Everybody grows up, and sooner or later, love becomes an experience that has limits and reasons. Lucas is a movie that takes place before that happens. To describe this situation is to make Lucas sound like just one more film about teenage romance, but it would be tragic if this film would get lost in the shuffle of teenage movies. This is a movie that is as pure and true to adolescent experience as Truffaut's The 400 Blows. It is true because it assumes all of its characters are intelligent and do not want to hurt one another and will refuse to go along with the stupid, painful conformity of high school. The film centers on the character of Lucas, a skinny kid with glasses and a shock of unruly hair and a gift for trying to talk himself into situations where he doesn't belong. 
Lucas is played by Corey Haim, who was Sally Field's son in Murphy's Romance. And he does not give one of those cute little boy performances that get on your nerves. He creates one of the most three-dimensional, complicated, interesting characters of any age in any recent movie. If he can continue to act this well, he will never become a half-forgotten child star, but will continue to grow into an important actor. He is that good. But the film's other two major actors are just as effective. Carrie Green, who was in The Goonies, is so subtle and sensitive as Maggie that you realize she isn't just acting. She understands this character in her heart. As the football hero, Charlie Sheen in some ways has the most difficult role because we're primed to see him in terms of cliches. The jock who comes along and wins the heart of the girl. Sheen doesn't even remotely play the character that way. There are a half a dozen scenes done so well they could make short films of their own. Lucas was written and directed by David Seltzer, who obviously has put his heart into the film. He also has used an enormous amount of sensitivity. In a world where Hollywood has cheapened the teenage years into predictable vulgarity, he has remembered how urgent, how innocent, and how idealistic those years can be. He has put values into this movie. It is about teenagers who are learning how to be good to each other, to care, and and not to simply be filled with egotism, lust, and selfishness, which is what most Hollywood movies think teenagers can experience. Lucas is one of the year's best films, and although its three stars are all teenagers, I doubt if anyone of any age will give more sensitive and effective performances this year. That's the end of Ebert's review. Now, for whatever reason, this film didn't do super well at the box office, but I'm assuming it gained a following on home video, that's where I saw it, and also on cable television. My first time seeing the film was during a day camp one summer, likely in 1987 or 1988, and I loved the film then, and I still love it today. And as Ebert mentioned, this isn't your typical cliched teen film, and the acting of the main characters, who were all pretty young at the time, is terrific and still holds up. What's sort of ironic about Ebert's review and his mentioning of how Corey Haim could be not trapped in that child star syndrome, it didn't turn out that way. And it's sad because you can tell from this movie that Corey Haim had the acting chops. All right, let's get into the main cast. Obviously, Corey Haim plays Lucas. I covered Haim's early career in the License to Drive episode along with The Lost Boys. But a quick recap of the films Haim appeared in prior to Lucas. He was in First Born with Terry Garr and Peter Weller. He was in Secret Admirer, that's a great one, with C. Thomas Howell and Laurie Laughlin, Silver Bullet, which was a Stephen King adaptation, and Murphy's Romance with Sally Field and James Garner, one of my parents' faves, and it will be an episode coming up. Carrie Green plays Maggie. Now, Green's career started pretty awesomely, with her film debut being The Goonies, playing one of the few female characters, and she played Andy. Her next film was the comedy Summer Rental, which we covered on this podcast. That came out in 1985 with John Candy. And then came Lucas. Amazingly, after those three fun films, she never really appeared in many more feature films. It was mostly TV movies or shows. She then kind of transitioned into the -the behind-the-scenes business of movies. She co-founded a film production company called Independent Women Artists. Charlie Sheen plays Cappy. Now, interestingly, two of the sporting actors became the biggest stars, Sheen being one of them. Prior to Lucas, Sheen appeared in Red Dawn, The Boys Next Door, and an unforgettable cameo in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Now, two other notable actors in this film include Winona Ryder in her film debut, along with Courtney Thorne-Smith and Jeremy Piven in their film debuts as well. The director and screenwriter is David Seltzer. Now, Seltzer began his career as a screenwriter, most notably writing a number of scenes in the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in 1971, but he was actually uncredited for those contributions. 
His most notable film that he received full credit for was the original Omen in 1976 with Gregory Peck. He also wrote the two Omen sequels. Lucas would be his directorial debut. Okay, let's get into the film. So it begins with the 14-year-old Lucas, that's Corey Haim, looking for new hatched insects, specifically locusts, as that is one of the things that really piques his interest. Lucas is a nerdy loner who everyone in town knows. Some make fun of him, but mostly leave him alone as he just does his own thing. However, when he hangs out by the fence of the football field, admiring the cheerleaders, things don't go as planned for Lucas. No, Lucas didn't have a gun, but a butterfly net to catch his beloved insects. Lucas walks back to the surrounding neighborhood and then meets the new girl in town, Maggie. That's Carrie Green, and she's playing tennis by herself. play tennis? No, uh-uh. What's that thing? A net for insects. You collect insects? No, to collect them you have to kill them. I just look at them. Oh, that's nice. Well, thanks. when people are watching me. Are you on the team? No, I just moved here. Is there a team? Yeah, at school. Which school? Park High? Yeah. You go there? You look... Younger. Younger. <laughs> I'm accelerated. Oh, you must be real smart then. Well, I'll see you there when it starts. What's your name? Maggie. Hi, I'm Lucas. Hi. 
Bye. Bye. So that music you heard was being played by Lucas's portable tape recorder he brought along while watching Maggie practice. Lucas is immediately smitten with Maggie, since she's attractive and was immediately kind to him. Lucas decides to put all of his energy in making sure that Maggie will be his friend, since everyone else in town already knows him and sort of leaves him alone. But Maggie is like a clean slate, and she's kind to him. Partly because she doesn't know anyone in town yet, but also because she's just a nice person. Maggie gives Lucas a ride home in her car, as Lucas isn't old enough to drive and rides his bike everywhere. Maggie drops off Lucas at a very large and beautiful home in the suburbs. Lucas actually earns money by mowing the very spacious lawns of the homeowners in the neighborhood that Maggie dropped him off in since it's still the summer. Lucas has all the free time in the world to work. Maggie stops by one day while Lucas is mowing the lawn and asks if he wants to play tennis with her. You can't play tennis, huh? Hey, Lucas. Oh, no, I gotta go. I promised the gardener I'd help him. Well, what's your phone number? Oh, um, it's unlisted, and my parents don't like for me to give it out to people. Well, then maybe I'll stop by sometime. Um, they don't like people to stop by either. You know, I can visit people, but, you know, they just don't like people to make a mess of the house. And... Oh. Well, hey, I can meet you there. Where? Uh, the tennis courts, the ones by the school. When? Uh, three o'clock. Today? Every day. <laughs> okay. Conservatory? Do you mind if we listen? No, fine with me. Thank you. I never mind. Come on, sit down. Sit over here. Excuse me. I hate to bother you again, but would you possibly have a program I can borrow? Thank you very much.
Maggie? Yeah. Is your name Margaret? such good friends when we first met? I don't know. What did you think of me? I thought you were interesting. I thought you were beautiful. Do you still? What? Think I'm interesting. Yes. Me too. Lucas, I think I like classical music. Lucas? So Lucas just had one of the best few weeks of his life spending time with Maggie, but he knows once school starts, his new best friend may meet kids her own age and will leave Lucas behind. The first day of school begins and it's chaos as all the kids are looking to register for their classes. Now, Lucas does have a few other friends like Ben and Rena. Rena is played by Winona Ryder. Hear about Trifle? Yeah, isn't it awful? He blew a blood vessel playing the trumpet. He committed suicide, Rena. He did not hit a stroke. Hey, talking about Trifle? He blew his head off. Playing the trumpet, right? Nope, playing the revolver. What did I tell you? Jesus. I'm tempted to say shut up here, but I won't. Want to go to the movies tonight, Lucas? Now, Rena actually really likes Lucas, but it's the old adage that you always want something you can't have. As you heard, Rena actually asked Lucas out to the movies, but Lucas, of course, is too preoccupied with Maggie to even think about anyone else. It's sort of funny how that works. Eventually, the entire student body ends up in the auditorium for the first day orientation, and Lucas inadvertently becomes the highlight of the assembly. And uh, if you all now proceed in an orderly fashion to the gym... I said in an orderly fashion, we're going to have a short program that I'm sure you're all going to enjoy. Pirates can't be beat.
Come on, boys. Hustle it up. There you go. And Luke, what are you, the football? Let's let everybody see your faces. These are the men whose names are going to spell victory. Hey, we're just going out for the football team. Luke, I'll play for you. Come on, Luke. Come on. Over this way. Come on, guys. So Lucas was brought on stage by one of his main bullies named Bruno, that's Tom Hodges. And this is while Lucas was trying to sit next to Maggie. When Lucas was pushed on stage, he went into a pantomime routine which cracked everyone up until the not-so-amused coach decided to put a stop to it. Lucas ends up embarrassed and walks out alone to dead silence. He's humiliated yet again. In addition to Bruno, the star football player on the team is Cappy, played by Charlie Sheen. Also Spike is played by Jeremy Piven, again in his film debut. So Maggie feels bad for Lucas and leaves the orientation to see if he's okay. Lucas tries to play it off, but then Maggie asks about back-to-school night and if her mom can meet Lucas's parents. But Lucas gets annoyed and says his parents are superficial and do not participate in school functions. Maggie then comforts Lucas by saying football players are superficial and asks him to the movies that night, and that cheers up Lucas. In front of my car, go ahead. Really, 
Really? Go ahead! I lost my heart. Seriously, go ahead. How's your summer, Luke? It's good. All right. You're a good sport. Thanks. Hi. Hi. This is Maggie, guys. Hi. How you doing? Hi. I got our tickets. Got our tickets. Thank you. We'll see you inside, okay? Bye, Luke. Sorry, I'm late. Hey, Luke! You want something? Sure. Can I help you? Uh, yes, ma'am. I like a tub of popcorn, lightly buttered, a large Coke, a small Coke, and uh, this is a on a diet. I'll have either Goobers or M&M's. Which one, guys? M&M's. Lou! Get that ball away and puke! Bad and Luke. I'm gonna puke! Hey, don't you scare you away. Scare me away? Yeah, just tell me shit. Yeah, I'd like some Reese's Pieces, some Milk Duds, and some Red Twisty things for my girlfriend, please. So, what do you guys say? Hey, you coming out for the football team or not? Hey, we're trying to find you a jersey, Jaglin, but we're all out of pup tents. <laughs> you should talk shit, Breath. What'd you say? You heard me. No, I don't think I did. Hey, what's going on? Hey, this kid's mouthing off to me. Come on, let's hey, go. Hey, wait a on. second. What's the point? Hey, I'm kidding around, and this fat little marshmallow opens his mouth to me. Don't worry about him. Let's go see a movie. You better watch your mouth, fat boy. Learn to be like Lucas here. He's smart, not like you. He's scared, not like me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You know you're asking for it. Well, so are you. What'd you say? All right, come on. Come you on, heard enough. me? You know, maybe you boys would like to step outside. No, no, let's go. No, I think I have to settle this. Well, I came to see a movie. And yeah, so did I. Yeah, but not King Kong. Yeah. Man, settle down. Come on, let's go. No fights, I mean it. I think you should listen to the lady. You know, if I was you, I wouldn't stick around to see the movie. You understand me, Luca Plakia? I'm going to be looking for you guys afterwards. No, you won't. The hell I won't. They're going to be with me afterwards. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we're going out to eat. What are you always sticking up for this wimp for? What are you always picking on him for? Come on, let's go, Bruno. The movie's started. Let's make sure we're on opposite sides of the line tomorrow, huh? Sure. Here, Reese's. You want anything? Maybe we should leave. I'm not afraid of that shit bag. Don't worry about it. We're all going out. I can't. My mom's picking me up. Sorry about that. Yeah, well, so am I. I'll see you guys inside. Cappy actually sticks up for Lucas and likes him, and we find out why a bit later in the film. Cappy's girlfriend, Elise, played by Courtney Thorne-Smith, is the captain of the cheerleading squad. So while watching the original Fly from 1958 with Vincent Price, Maggie asks, what does leukoplakia mean? Since that's what Bruno likes to call Lucas. Well, it means cancer of the mouth. Cappy and all of his buddies, who aren't assholes like Bruno, take Lucas and Maggie to a pizza parlor after the movie. While driving, Cappy has to quickly pull over, because he has a convertible with the top down, as everyone is getting pelted by the locust flying directly into the pathway of the car. Now Lucas isn't scared, and finds a locust that is lodged in Elise's hair, and she's freaking out. But Maggie calmly picks it out, and Lucas holds it to the light of the car headlight. Everyone is fascinated, but then one of the guys bumps Lucas's hand, and then the girls scream and stomp on it. Lucas is horrified and saddened, but gets back into the car eventually. 
Cappy actually feels bad for Lucas. In home ec class, Cappy is doing a demonstration for the teacher about how to use a blender. Unfortunately, he forgot the main rule about using a blender. You always put a top on it. He doesn't, and his sweater isn't completely covered in pink liquid. Maggie then goes with Cappy to wash his sweater. The two make awkward small talk. Cappy asks about Lucas, and Maggie says they're just friends. But Maggie thinks very highly of him and calls him very special and how smart he is. Cappy then tells Maggie about why he likes Lucas so much and why he sticks up for him. A while back, Cappy had contracted hepatitis for a few weeks, and Lucas came by Cappy's house every day and brought his schoolwork to Cappy so they wouldn't fall behind on his classes. Cappy says he still doesn't know why Lucas did it. Maggie says it was because he was nice to him. But Cappy says he wasn't always nice to Lucas, and he often picked on him like everyone else. But Lucas decided to be kind to Cappy regardless, because that's who Lucas is. Cappy also explained the Luca Plakia joke, as Lucas used to mouth off in class. We also find out that Elise is jealous of Maggie because Cappy suggested Maggie try out for the cheerleading team. Which makes perfect sense, because you can tell that Cappy likes Maggie and vice versa. More of that to come. Maggie decides to tell Lucas about possibly going out for the cheerleading squad. good on college applications and anybody can join even boys because the supreme court says anyone who tries out for a school team has to be given a chance i'd like to point out that cheerleading is a very good exercise for your body a lot of doctors say it's even better than aerobics and it's not too bad for your social life either (laughs) (laughs) not just fun and games a lot of hard work when you're out there on the field you're expected to work every day can you meet me after school i get your name biology We have eight places to fit. We practice every day and take buses with the guys to the away games. And uh, some bus drivers don't care what goes on in the back of the bus. (laughs) Beverages may be consumed. (laughs) Don't say you heard it here. (laughs) So if anyone's interested, take an application to meet at the practice field right after school today. Change your clothes here? What? Well, if you come down to the stream with me and collect stuff for Carlson's terrarium, I'm sure he'll give you an A. Maggie? When? Today. I think I'm gonna do this today. Cheerleading? We'll check it out. What for? Because I might want to do it. What, be a cheerleader? I don't know. Is that all right, Lucas? Hey, hey, the way you were looking at me. Whatever. Wait till tomorrow to collect tadpoles. Well, if I like it, I'll be doing it tomorrow, too. They practice every day. It sounds like fun, Lucas. Well, didn't you hear what they said? Away games and buses and stuff? Wait. Guess everybody has their own idea of fun. Some people go to football games. Other people do less superficial things. Look, Lucas, just because you don't approve of something doesn't mean other people don't have a right to enjoy it. Well, you're in the band, aren't you? Yeah. So? So? 
So the band goes to football games? Well, totally different. Why? Because the band does not have fun there. Then why do you do it? Well, I don't know. Well, figure it out. And in the meantime, don't call people superficial just because they want to have fun. I'm new here. I don't know anybody. Why can't you be helpful and understanding about that? Now, you can understand why Lucas is upset since he knows that he's likely losing his best friend and crush if she joins the popular group. And that's sort of like high school for many. It's not a new story here. But you can also see Maggie's side, as she should be able to meet other people and still be able to be friends with Lucas. In any case, Cappy is certainly happy Maggie went out for cheerleading, much to Elise's dismay. Lucas then sort of asks, without actually asking, Maggie to the upcoming dance by asking Cappy if he'll give him and Maggie a ride to the dance. Elise then hears this and then condescendingly says, they'd make a real cute couple. Maggie is embarrassed and angry at Lucas. If Lucas was smart, he'd just be platonic friends with Maggie and go out with Arena. But again, that would be way too easy and frankly a boring movie. Lucas rides his bike on the night of the dance to Maggie's house to pick her up and even dresses up in a new suit and combs his hair. But when he arrives at Maggie's house, he gets some bad news. Hi. You must be Lucas. Yeah. I've heard a lot about you. Really? Yeah. You look terrific. Oh, thank you. It's a big night. Right. I'll get Margaret for you. I'm right here, Mom. Oh, here she is. See you later. Bye-bye. Hi. Wow, look at you. You look great. You too. You rented a tux? Yeah, I rented it. I bought the tie. I get to keep it. And I bought the shoes. You went through so much trouble. No, it's no problem. I'll pay you back if it costs a lot. No, it's fine. So, you ready to go? I don't think we can go, Lucas. Why not? Cappy and Elise broke up today. But aren't they here? Well, Cappy's here. But he's very depressed. Sit down. She was jealous, or she doesn't like me or something. She said she'd break up with him if he went through with it. She didn't want to go with us, Luke. So I think we have to call it off. I have my bike. We can still go. He kind of needs someone with him tonight. 
I don't want to leave him by himself. He had tears in his eyes when he came over tonight. Can you imagine that big, strong guy crying? Hey, Luke. I'm sorry, bud. Am I a drag or what? Listen, I think you should come to the dance with us. I think it'll cheer you up. No, I'd feel like a third wheel. We were thinking of going out for a pizza. Why don't you come with us? Yeah, why don't you? You're going out for pizza? Well, it's just a suggestion. If you're so depressed, how come you're eating pizza? Maybe I should just go home, eh? No. Go eat pizza. Don't let me spoil your depression. Are you okay? Where are you going? the dance by yourself hey I'm a party animal poor Lucas but he does indeed go to the dance by himself sort of he watches from afar across the lake Rena sees Lucas sitting alone on the grass and talks to him I thought you had a date Are you going in? Why not? Thinking. About what? Romeo and Juliet. Really? How come? How old were they? Do you know? She was 13, and I guess he was about the same. Why? Two different worlds, huh? Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. That can be a problem. You're right, Lucas. Why? Because you're acting weird. I'm just thinking about something, Rena. Something I've got to decide. So while Lucas decides on something, Cappy and Maggie go out for pizza. Landed on tails, we'd be somewhere else right now. Sure. <laughs> tails, I turn left. Heads, I turn right. One time I did it all night, wound up at the airport. What'd you do? I got on a plane to Tahiti. You're lying. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I uh, wound up in a bowling alley. Oh, a great game, though. Do you believe in destiny? Is that why you flip coins? I guess so. Do you? I'm interested in destiny. Yeah? What else are you interested in? A lot of things. Things like... Like... Like politics. So-so. Yeah? You interested in wide receivers? What's 
position I play. Oh, is that what you do? <laughs> sort of. Cappy and Maggie kiss, Lucas just happened to be riding by the pizza parlor and saw them. So the next day, Lucas has made his decision. It was probably not what you think. Did you hear about Lucas? What about him? It's suicide. What do you mean? He's gone out for the football team. Suited you up. Oh, I'd like to speak to you about that. This equipment just doesn't fit. No, that's not the problem. It's you that don't fit. Now go turn it in. Excuse me. I can run really fast when I concentrate on it. I said turn it in. Now get off the field. All right, everybody inside for chalk talk. Shower up first. Let's go, 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 go. Making a big mistake. I'll be very good at this. I could lower my center of gravity. See? Look, look. And my size. I gotta run fast. If they catch me, I'm dead. Just listen, little buddy. We got our first game this Saturday against Rockford, and I don't have time to dick around with you. Well, I'm afraid you'll have to, sir. Dick around with me. The Supreme Court, by virtue of the Sexual Discrimination Act, says that anyone who tries out for a team sport has to be given the same chance as everyone else. Now, if you wish to cut me based on my performance, that's your right. But I'll take you to court if you try it before. What's this shit? I looked it up. My family's in law. <laughs> What's this shit? <laughs> well, unfortunately for Lucas, while he may have gotten the best of the coach, that Supreme Court ruling doesn't apply to the guys in the locker room who decide to rub some muscle cream, which burns like hell, on Lucas's groin. Lucas runs like a maniac and only a towel around his waist and hilariously jumps on the top of a water fountain to gain some relief. But to his credit, he's defiant as ever and won't quit the team. 
Now, prior to the burning cream incident, Cappy tried to talk to Lucas about Maggie, saying that Lucas and Maggie were just friends. But Lucas won't hear of it. He hates both of them now. Well, he hates Cappy, and joining the football team is just a desperate ploy to try to win the heart of Maggie. Not understanding that really won't make a difference to her. Lucas, after the locker room incident, has a talk with the principal who tries to reason with Lucas and tells him that he can't be on the football team for his own safety. Lucas pleads with Mr. Kaiser to just let him suit up and stand on the sidelines, and he doesn't act to actually play. Mr. Kaiser is actually very kind, but firm, that Lucas can't be on the team. Maggie then sees Lucas and tries to talk to him, but he rides his bike away from her. She later finds him sitting alone at an underpass. Have you been crying? Yes, so what? I mean, wimps do that. Didn't you know? Just like big, strong guys. What do you want me to do, Lucas? I don't care. And just keep doing what you're doing. Go to bed with them. That's not fair. Yeah, a lot of things aren't fair. Lucas, you and I were just friends. Why? What do you mean, why? I mean, why just friends? Because that's all we were. Yeah, but why? Well, you're 14. Romeo was 14. I don't know, Lucas. There are certain people you like in a certain way. And others you like as a friend. I don't know why. You know about science, do you know why? Yeah. Actually, I do. It's called the process of natural selection. Have you ever heard of Darwin? Well, the males who demonstrate physical prowess are the most attractive to the females. And by breeding with the strongest males, the females ensure survival of the species.
So Lucas tried to kiss Maggie, and she backed away before she replied with, What are we going to do with you, Lucas? And that's when Lucas got embarrassed and hurt and told her to leave. All right, there's about 20 minutes left and all sorts of interesting things that will happen, including a crazy football scene, along with discovering the deal with Lucas's parents. You'll just have to watch and find out if you've never actually seen this film. I won't spoil anything, but I will say the slow clap phenomenon in movies started with Lucas. If you don't know what I'm talking about, see the film. I'm actually surprised Lucas wasn't more successful during its initial release because growing up, Everyone I knew had actually seen the film, again, likely due to video rentals and cable. It's really a charming and fun film, and Corey Haim does a terrific job in the lead role. Plus, you get to see Charlie Sheen and Winona Ryder very early on in their careers. All right, some fun facts. Director and author David Seltzer said that he fashioned the character of Lucas after himself because he was a nerd just like Lucas was. He said he spent his spare time in his youth chasing down insects and said he was ridiculed by the jocks. He also had a crush on a girl and said somebody I adored who delivered a crushing blow by turning her back on me and informing her friendship wasn't all that I interpreted it to be. In the climactic football scene, the cheerleaders for the opposing team, the Rockford Rockettes, were actually the real-life Chicago Bears cheerleaders. Corey Feldman was considered for the role of Lucas, of course, and Kirk Cameron was also up for the role. Ellen DeGeneres was the other actress up for the part of Elise, which of course went to Courtney Thorne-Smith. Charlie Sheen's tattoo on his upper right arm had to be covered with makeup to make him appear to be a legitimate high school student. It still can be seen through the makeup in the scene where Cappy and Maggie are in the laundry room where Charlie Sheen is shirtless. Now in the movie, Maggie is two years older than Lucas. In reality, Carrie Green is four years older than Corey Haim. All right, one person that definitely saw this movie because he's from the 80s. He grew up in the 80s and he had cable TV and all that fun stuff. It's Metal Mike Tyler from ThatMetalStation.com and also The Plug with Bushy, Nate Atchison. So you can check out his podcast there. You can also check out The Metal Mike Show every Friday night starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So he talks about Lucas. And then I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, we're back with Metal Mike Tyler, who have you, of course, you can hear on ThatMetalStation.com every Friday night. You can also hear him on The Plug with Big Bushy, Nate Atchison. Welcome back, Metal Mike. Thanks for having me back, brother. It's always good to be part of the best damn good movie (laughs) memories podcast. The best damn movie podcast out there, man. Thank you. Well, thank you, my friend. And and I might be a little biased. Just a little, but you got the name right. Most people can't even do that, including myself. So there you go. Uh, okay, so we're talking about Lucas, which came out mm-hmm. in 1986. Uh, prime movie viewing time for you. You, I, I believe you were a teenager at the time. So for sure, did you did you see this in the theater when it first came out, or was I this cable not. or video? It okay, was cable. It was cable. Mm-hmm. I I I, I got to be honest with you. I think this kind of slipped past my radar in the in the theater. Okay, um, but I really do like the movie poster where it's got him and her, and it's yeah. about falling in love for the first time. And um, yeah, I you know. Obviously, I wouldn't be on here if I didn't like this movie. I really like this movie. Sure. I was, I mean, it came out March 28th, 1986. I was 15 years old. Wasn't going to turn 16 till the following October. And uh, I'm close to the same age as Corey Haim. And as you know, I have a weakness for redheads. So I think we know where we're going with this. <laughs> um, well, yes. Yeah. Because I had a crush on her from Goonies. Right. And that's what I was going to ask. So, like, I I'm, I assumed that you had seen Goonies before oh, yes. Lucas. So yeah, that that she, and she's great. And actually, those are really the two movies she's best known for. 
Roger Ebert loved this film. He gave it four out of four stars, but it wasn't a huge smash at the box office. It barely broke a profit. Why do you think that was? And my theory is I, I think there was too many unknown actors for the time, even though they all kind of grew into something. Why do you think this didn't do I, as well? I don't well think it initially? got a lot of push either, dude. I don't mm. remember this movie being advertised. I didn't see right. any commercials for it. I didn't see any trailers for it. I do not remember this movie coming out in the theaters at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I remember seeing it, it advertised on HBO, I believe, or Cinemax or mm. one of those cable stations. And I was like, oh, you know, and, and I'd seen Corey Haim and a few other things. I saw him in Murphy's Romance and a few other right. films, you know, and, and, um, I, as I said, I like Carrie Green a lot and I, and I knew who Charlie Sheen was. I'd seen him in a few things. So right. I was kind of like, okay, man, I'll check it out. And, and one day, uh, me and my mom, dad, it was on cable. We watched it and. Uh, we got a, a huge kick out of it, man. I, uh, and I saw some of myself. I, I wasn't, I was different from Lucas. Lucas is right as a care. I mean, he is, he, he's, he, well, you know, they, they call him Luca Plakia for it. Cause he kind of right. puts his foot in his mouth sometimes, man. Yep. But a, a really sweet guy. I knew right off the bat, even as a kid that there's something going on here. He not to give anything away, but he, right. there was more to Lucas than met the eye, but he wasn't exactly what he was projecting to uh to carrie green's character either right uh, as as we find out later on in the film so yeah, this is really one of those films that kind of gained new life because of video and cable and you prove that because the ending without spoiling it completely it features one of the most cliche type of endings it's got the slow clap it's been parodied so often today and I, I think you got to love what cable and video did for films that didn't have a great performance at the box office initially. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of films that cable saved. Uh, Eddie and the Cruisers. Yep. No uh, somewhere in time. I don't know. I think those movies would have been forgotten about if it hadn't been for cable. Sure. So, yep. um, and this is one of them. And the, the slow clap, I mean, anytime I see that, I always think of Lucas every time. Sure. Yeah. I, to me, were they the first to do that? I think they were, but it, I don't remember ever seeing the slow clap before lucas Am i, I don't wrong either, about that i don't think so it, at the very least it it definitely made it popular i mean maybe maybe it happened before that but everyone i think thinks of this film i mean you have to right and the one interesting thing about it is like you said it's it cost them six million to make and it only sure. made 8.2 million so they they got their money back and a little bit more but you're right i think this is a film that obviously became a cult classic no doubt, because of cable, I think, and yes. video. Yes. Yep. Because had you seen like he Corey Haim was in Secret Admirer, which is an underrated one, and Silver Bullet too. Yes, and I like both those movies. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and as I said, I think the first time I ever really noticed him was in Murphy's Romance, where he played Sally which Field's we, son. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and, and, and then, I will talk about. Yes, we will. Um, yeah. But um. I, I that was the first time. And then after that, he did this, and then he did Lost Boys. And for a while there, yep. him and his buddy Corey Feldman were in everything. And oh yeah, um, and you know it, it was interesting because me and Corey, well, both the Coreys are very close in age. I think I might be just a year, but a little bit over a year or under a year older than them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, like I saw some of myself in Lucas, 
you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just the, I, I don't know. I just think it was a really cool story, man. You know, I agree. And, and just the fact that he just didn't give up, man. I mean, you, yes. whatever else you can say about the kid, you couldn't doubt his heart, man. He, that's right. You know, I mean, even though I'm going, even as a kid, I'm like, Lucas, what are you fucking doing? Have you <laughs> lost your mind, you know, but know. love will make you do some crazy shit, I guess, you know, that's right. Well, especially when you're a kid and you haven't experienced yeah. anything. Yeah. Right. So right. What did you enjoy most about this film? And what are some of your favorite scenes, especially after recent reviewing? Oh, man. Um, well, I, I, honestly, I enjoy the whole thing. I like all the characters. I thought the actors did a great job. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them, like even his buddy, the guy with the camera, he cracked yes. me up. <laughs> he was hilarious. Um, another interesting thing was Courtney Thorne Smith. I had forgotten that right. she was in this and that she plays the girl that gets jilted. Yep. For Carrie Green, you know, and the, watching this movie, one of the things it does for it just brings me back to a certain time. I mean, it's very 80s. You got the keyboard soundtrack. Of course. Keyboards just drenched everything in the 1980s. It was like, oh, we have this new technology with music. <laughs> Let's go crazy with it. Because yep. Bushy and I will get in this debate. He thinks I, I'm like, dude, I don't hate on keyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Even with some music, like Ozzy's used keyboards in most sure. of his solo songs. So his Dio, but they don't, dr- with the exception of maybe Ultimate Sin, they don't drench it with keyboards. Right. I don't like it when something's just drenched where you can't hear anything else but the damn keyboards. Yep. With this, though, it, it is pretty much primarily keyboard driven, but it works. It, it just score. has a certain charm. Yeah, the score, it has a certain charm. And and just the fact that, like, I mean, one of the parts I love the, is when he, when he first becomes a, a acquainted with maggie he's watching her play tennis and i'm like oh i've been that kid i've been Mm -hmm. that guy you know and and i think he fell in love with her the first minute he laid eyes on her it was over yep you know and and the fact that um you know you had some people that were bullying and teasing him but then you had cappy who played bar charlie sheen who's looking out for him and stuff and then you find out later why why yep yeah, and it's it, that's what, what I mean. I mean, Lucas has got a good heart, man, because he didn't have to do that, especially if he if Cappy treated him like the way everybody else did. Yeah. And uh, the way he hey. would try to take a negative and make it a positive. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, and, and, of course, with some of the parts where, like, he's in the – when he joins the football team and he's oh, yeah. talking about, well, you know, I don't get semi-erect like some of you fellas <laughs> do. And then they put the liquid heat on Oh, like, that's oh, what everyone God, remembers. Oh, my yep. yep. um, You know, but just the fact that he, he, he wouldn't give up. Never. The fact that he – and, I mean, Cappy tells him she wasn't your girlfriend, Lucas, which he's absolutely right. But, you know, when it comes to love, sometimes logic goes – even with us dudes, it goes out the window. He wasn't looking at it logically because Cappy was absolutely right. She was not his girlfriend. She was never his girlfriend. And what isn't uh, it funny that so people forget Winona Ryder's in this in her film debut. Yes. Winona Ryder's character really likes. uh, Right. And she's cute as a bug's ear. So part of me wants to smack Lucas like, dude, she and and I I, in my mind, in my head canon, as I call it, I think Lucas and her so hook up. Oh, absolutely. I think I definitely think they do. It's a no brainer. And, and that's kind of how funny life Rena. is. Always, yeah. Rena. Rena. There's yeah. always a pecking order because you always want something you can't have. He had, he could have had a girlfriend easily with right. Rena. And he didn't yeah. even And I mean, her. we're talking about Renona, what Renona writers, exactly. cutie. So, you know, it was like, yeah. and it's not like Maggie didn't love him. She adored As Lucas. A friend. 
but as a friend and and I've been there. I've been that guy where one of my favorite parts is when she goes, there's some people that you like one way and then there's other people. I don't know why, Lucas. You're smart. Yeah. Can you tell me why? And, of course, he explains to her the whole natural selection process. That's right. And then she's like, do you realize how amazing and wonderful you are? And, and it just breaks my heart when he goes, yeah, but it doesn't turn you on, does it? Right. And I'm just like – Ah, you know, <laughs> and then of course he tries to kiss her and then she's like, what am I going to do with you? And he's just like, I go know. away, leave me alone. You know, and it, it, you know, again, it's that whole teen, teenage angst. And I think anybody that's been there at that point in time, you know, you get it, you get it, you relate to it. So, um, and that's it's, it's sad to see what happened to Corey. Cause he was a talented kid, man. Yes. And, and seriously, that, that, triangle which you just uh, mentioned that's timeless like all of this happens no matter what era it is what was there anything you would have oh by the way there was one other person uh that was a very side character that ended up being a pretty well-known actor and that's jeremy piven is yeah in this spike too. spike yeah. yeah that's right it, w- what would you have changed about this film if anything hmm. i don't know man the nerd in me would have hoped that maybe he would have won red over because like you sure know, but at the end of the day, I think it ended the way it should have ended. Another scene I like is the principal. I thought the principal oh, yeah. handled that beautifully where he's like, does your parents know you're doing this? And, oh, well, they would, you know, I'd hate to see you lose your job. And I'm right. like, oh, okay, dude. And I, the way he just said, well, I, I want to talk to them, you know? Yeah. I also thought the coach was hilarious. Oh yeah. Stereotypical Guy boy, just coach. the coach. Oh yeah. my God. He was hilarious, man. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, and obviously Cappy, he, he did care about Lucas, you know, I mean, it was just like, I mean, like I said, he was just like, Lucas, can't we talk about this, dude? And, you know, and but I understand where. And the one person I kind of felt sorry for was Elise. Yeah. Because she gets jilted. And I don't know if she. And there's that one part, man, where she's just staring daggers at. Oh, at yeah. I'm like, awkward. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> old Maggie's like, ah, you That's know, part of high like, school, too. But it's understandable. And I don't think Maggie even holds it against her. She understands, no. you know, no. she's not, you know, because to, to Lisa's eyes, you took my guy. Yep. Well, I th- so. think that's why this film really holds up. It, I think it's right up there with John Hughes movies. It doesn't get the accolades that the John Hughes movies do, do but there's some real stuff going on here and it's still a sweet movie. Yeah, very much so. M- very much so, man. I, David Seltzer, I'm not familiar with his film- filmography, but I really, uh, I really like this movie. Yeah, so he was um, some of the other ones he did. He was actually the writer uncredited on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh. Uh, but yeah, so he was a writer before that. He wrote actually a lot of horror movies. He wrote the original Omen. <laughs> so no um, shit. Yeah, so he was mostly known as as That's a writer. A classic man. I know, I know. So I don't think he directed that many films. He's bestly known as a writer. He did uh, direct Punchline uh, with Sally Field and Tom now, see, Hanks. I think that's an underrated movie. Some people I know don't like that movie, but yeah. I was like, I liked it because I got yeah. news for you. People who think that stand-up comedians are a bunch of happy-go-lucky people. Oh, no. No, they are not, man. They're usually miserable. <laughs> right. Most of them are there most clowns are sad people well speaking of that this is a perfect segue and uh, i didn't really talk about it in my part but i figure I'd, I'd hold it for you so there are rumors that happen on this set but i figure i'd discuss it with you so i'm assuming you've heard about the alleged abuse uh yeah, yeah 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 i did hear Corey feldman's the one that uh yep. talked about it and and, and i gotta admit I, it was kind of hard watching this movie because i'm like did that really happen like right I mean, especially when they claim who did it. I'm like, oh, Charlie. And if you don't know, makes me look at the whole Cappy and 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 Lucas relationship in a whole different way now. 
That's right. So it's and like, people, oh, yikes. If people don't know, you can interrupt your friend, but supposedly Charlie Sheen was one of uh, potentially Corey Haim's alleged abusers uh, on this, and uh, there's a whole thing about it. But yeah, it's, it, that's kind of horrifying when you think about it. Yes. But at the same time, I'm like, well, Charlie's a sex maniac. <laughs> and maybe a hole is a hole for him. You know, I don't know. I yeah. mean, I, I'd like to think he wouldn't do something like that. But maybe he was on coke then too, so he could. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know he's denied it. You know, yep. obviously. But um, I mean, I hope it's not true. But at the same time, why would Feldman lie about something like that? I, what would he no gain benefit. from it? Yeah, there's no benefit. And from what I understand, there's there's. There's a lot of crazy shit that went on in Hollywood and, and then boys, I mean, let's just be honest. I think that's why Corey was as, as self-destructive as he was, you know, that's right. That's right. And it's a shame because he really was a talented child actor and he and was, we'll, we'll never find out what would happen. Um, actually that, that leads me to my final question. What are, what are you, what is your favorite Corey Haim movie? Ooh, you know, it might be this one. I mean, mm-hmm. if I was to really stop and think about it, man, because I really like this movie. Um, of course, you know, License to Drive was Lost a funny Boys. movie, yep. too. The Lost Boys. I mean, he did make some good stuff, man. But I, I think with one that where he's one of the main characters, yep. I would almost have to pick this one because he's kind of the main character. Where some of them, like, as, as great as he was in um, Murphy's Romance, he's he's a supporting character in that. Even yep. in Lost Boys, he plays a pretty important character. And and I got a kick out of that because my aunt even said, God, he reminded me of you. Because <laughs> of like the part in the comic book store when he's like going, you know, through the whole Superman history. And even the, oh. the Frog Brothers are like, where the hell are you from, Krypton? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, you know, he's like gone about how Lori Lamaris wasn't introduced in this issue. And my aunt was like, that is so you. It I'm like, is. yeah. You know, um, yeah, it kind of was. So <laughs> I, I saw a bit of myself. There was it's funny. There was another uh, actor that and you would have to see pictures of what I looked like back then. Uh-huh. But uh, the guy who was in the Adventures of Babysitting. Oh, yeah. Which Brad. me and Bill just uh, Brad. Ba- we just watched that a while back. I hadn't seen that movie in years. And um, yeah, the, the 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 kid who's like in love with her, literally. Yeah, Keith yeah. Coogan. No, it- Keith um, Coogan, go, his, his name's Brad in the film. But yeah, right. no, I could totally see that with you. Yeah, um, my buddy Matt always said, man, dude, that dude always reminded me of you. you know. And at that time, I had hair, so I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see it. You know? By the he way, actually I, made some pretty good movies. I like the one he did with... Uh, don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Well, there's that one, but I always also like... Uh, Cousins. Cousins is good, but the, man, you know what? What is... What was it? It's the one with... Uh, um, oh, damn it. I'm gonna have to look it up, Brian. I'm sorry. You're just gonna I'm have to doing it too. Oh, yeah. hiding, hiding out. There was that one, but one of the it's it's a little little known film that he did. Oh, Toy Soldiers, uh, where it takes place in the fifties. I believe oh. he's in that under and the boardwalk. Is, is he the one that's in it, or am I? It's got to be under the boardwalk. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's not in that movie. No, Book of Love. 1990, oh, okay. The Book of Love, man. It's okay. got Michael McKeon as the adult Jack Twiller, and then you got Jack Young, and it's a really cute movie, man. It takes place okay. in the 50s, and um, Carrie Fisher's sister's in it. Oh, nice. She plays, uh, um, yeah, Trisha Lee Fisher is Gina, and uh, it, it's a really cute movie, man. I love the soundtrack because it's totally 1950s music. Yep. You know, um, if you ever get a chance to check it out, you need I to will. check it out. 
I definitely will. Well, I, I love Adventures Babysitting, Hiding Out, Cousins. Those are kind of my, and of course, Don't Tell Mom and the Babysitters. Well, Dad. Cousins, is that the one with uh, Ted Danson and Isabella Rosalina? Yes, uh, totally underrated. My parents That is that an movie. underrated movie. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in years. And uh, yeah. Lloyd Bridges is the grandfather, who's great. Yeah, and I love Lloyd Bridges. Oh, me too. Bad week to quit sniffing glue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, as always, Metal Mike, thank you so much. And it was great having you on, man. Always. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday, and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Captain Video. Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.